So at this time, we'll have Pastor Ed come forward and give us the message that God has for us. Pastor Ed. Morning, everyone. Just the, is the audio? Oh, it is on? Okay, good. Um, it's always good to be in the household of faith. <laughs> and uh, I've been having some interesting reading. When I go to the um, uh, first few words, first few chapter, chapter verses, chapter one, verse one, two, three, or something like that, uh, and you say, wow, all these truths are there in the beginning of the chapter. You don't have to go very far. And you already got something new to read and to understand. So last week, if you remember, I did two books where the, Paul was starting to write to somebody. Do you remember those? <laughs> it's always hard to recall exactly. But um, uh, where Paul was um, testifying to both the Jews and the Greeks. And he said, this is what I'm finding in God's word. And, and he said, uh, his repentance towards God and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And I noticed two, two people. Not a trinity. Two people. I thought, wow, interesting. And then we went to another one where Paul was testifying, he said, in uh, 2 Corinthians 7 verse 9. But ye sorrowed to repentance. Thought, ah, yeah. Each, each of these you can pick up something very, very special. They were sorrowing because of his sermon to them by letter. And uh, he's talking to the, the Jews and the Greeks about the Heavenly Father and about the Lord Jesus Christ, he's testifying to them. And uh, they sorrowed because they begin to understand what sin is really all about and how bad it is. Then uh, my remarks were sort of the, the beginning of a letter and the opening friendly remarks one to another that you can be sending truths to one another. And that, that is exciting. But uh, I wrote at the very top that I had 15 verses on repentance. Uh, you know, repentance is, is very good because it's almost the first step in coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Almost. So uh, what's, what's good? What's the first ones? Well, a conviction of sin. Otherwise, why would you repent? You have to be convicted of something. And condemnation of sin. And I got going, I ended up with another verse or two on repentance. And then confession to God and confession before men. That's the sermon today. But while I was looking up those and I thought, where's that verse? There is no other God. I don't know of one. Well, who said that? Well, nowadays by computer, it's real easy to get it. <laughs> okay. So in Isaiah 44, verse 8, Fear ye not, neither be afraid, have not I told you from, this, from that time and, and that declare it and declared it? Who's talking here? It's about the Heavenly Father. Ye are my, 
you are even my witnesses. There is, no, it's a question. Is there a God beside me? Is there a God beside me? Oh, you know, when you kind of think it a little bit, think about it a little bit. Yea, there is no God, I know not one. And some people are worrying about that maybe there's another God that they need to pray to or say something special about. And he says, I don't know of one. There isn't such a thing as another Heavenly Father, another God. There's gods with a little g. People prayed to him. They tried to make some uh, attempts to serve other gods and got in trouble for it. But God said there is no other, no other God. So those are amazing things to hang on to just a little bit when you're going through those verses. So today I want to hit some on Romans and 1 Corinthians. So turn with me to, uh, uh, let's see, did I write it down that way? No, no, that was last week. This week I want to do 2 Corinthians. So we had 1 Corinthians, a few words from there. Today I want the 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. So find that. And it's always good to really follow along and make sure that I don't say something that is not there. So if you would do that for me. Eyesight is still a little bit of trouble. 2 Corinthians. And I want chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. There we go. And uh, I want the verses. Now, you know, when you get going on some of this, you're afraid, how far should I go? Well, last week I had 10 verses on one of them, I think. (laughs) Today, let's do three on this one, okay? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Two people. Heavenly Father is second mentioned, but Jesus, he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. So that's two people. And then he says, uh, and Timothy, his brother, they're, they're writing to him, unto the church of God. There's the name of the church. That's what it should be called. Well, we had to add Westside on one end for us here in the city. And the other end, we added Seventh Day way back somewhere to separate us from churches that go on Sunday. And they want to use Church of God as well. That's a good move, good thing. So we had to add Seventh Day so that that would make a legal distinction between the two. There's a church fellow that I got to know, and his church is called the Church of God, I think, of Oklahoma City. And then you realize they're abiding by this. The rest of their beliefs are here and there, right? Different. But uh, they wanted to use Church of God. And they said Oklahoma City. They go to church on Sunday and they have other, other beliefs. They're, they're not with our conference or with us and this church with the West Side. But they wanted to use this Church of God because they knew that was the right name for a church to be called. Um, when I was walking those, to those 7,000 houses and handing out pamphlets and so on, I ran into one man and he said, There's, um, the church is supposed to be called the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, really? Well, there is one or two places where it's worded that way. But uh, he was Baptist. 
And that's what he felt that it had to be called because that was in the Bible. Okay. Well, this one is too, right here. Okay. So some people would want to use this name or that name, but uh, you try to get as close as you can, and we're serving the Heavenly Father, so the Church of God makes sense. Okay, Church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints, and I, wow, are we, are we saints? And I always add, if we're not, we ought to be. It's shame on us if we don't act and behave ourselves like saints. Which, is, which are in Achaia, one of the Greek cities and areas. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, one name, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, the second name, two people, no trinity. Blessed be God, even the Father, so we know a name to use for the Heavenly Father, after our Lord Jesus Christ, and of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, uh, the comma there, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So he's making sure we know which God, not the one that they had in the Old Testament that really was a strange God, um, and they needed to serve the Heavenly Father of the Old Testament, that God. Not, not the God that was in some of those stories back there. They had various names for them as well. So that's all I wanted to catch from, from there. Now I want to go to um, Galatians. So turn to Galatians chapter 1. Chapter 1. And let's see. I want to, well, of course, starting with the first verse. I just wanted to see if I, yeah, I told myself five verses here. It could be more, but five will do the trick for us. Paul, an apostle, and he stops himself with a comma, and, and somebody put in a bracket so that we could get it. And the rest of the verse is in the bracket. It's going to explain something. Not of men. He wasn't voted in as men to be a, an apostle. Interesting. Jesus Christ called him. Right? Neither by man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. The Heavenly Father did not die on the cross. The Heavenly Father did not die. Who was in charge of, you know? The Father was in charge. Jesus was the one that died on the cross. So sometimes it's easy to pick out what's meant and where to go. And yet we've had people tell us that God died on the cross. What? You know, a misunderstanding of what God means and, and what the word means to us. Verse two, so this is really Paul, an apostle, and then and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Two people, no trinity. So it's very interesting to catch this on the basics. This is an opening statement on a, new, on a letter, newsletter or personal letter to this church. And um, he uses these terms. So we can use it that way. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our Father. 
to whom be glory. So, yeah, it's very easy to pick those, those thoughts up from there. So that gets us started again. Back in uh, this, the idea of how do you get salvation? How do you get repentance? How do you stand uh, correctly before the Heavenly Father? So I would like to start there with a conviction of sin. What's conviction? Well, it's an awareness of a condition. Awareness that we are not just smoothing, smooth road type thing, that we're not very good. We need to be looking for the right way, to be aware of a condition of sin, condition of people in the Bible that represented this fallen mankind and are coming aware that they should come to salvation. So you could say the witness to his steps to salvation. Hmm. Almost what we call our church lessons, isn't it? Steps to truth. <laughs> okay, steps to truth. Truth is so many times in the scriptures that we really need to understand that that's a valid, very valid stand to know. And what does truth mean? Pilate said, what is truth? Right. Okay. So we've got to ask that ourselves. So go with me for this conviction of sin. Go with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. I usually like to let people know ahead of time what they're going to run into when they're reading the book of Romans. Romans, Paul really tells what these people were like, what sin is really like. He talks in comparison to the Jewish people that had the faith and then didn't continue, didn't keep it, didn't live by it. Uh, he goes back and forth on these two topics for the first seven chapters. And he really says, you can't do it. You can't make it. And you say, no, wait a minute now, what's, what's going on here? He's talking about the sinful life, the old way, what you used to be. And under man's beliefs, man's behavior, man's actions, without salvation, without Jesus Christ, without the Savior, uh, without the Heavenly Father, you know, um, without the Holy Spirit, you can't make it. And that is a very interesting thought to get in your mind as you start in the book of Romans. And then at, at chapter 8, he turns the page. But there is a way out of it. And he mentions then how to do that and how to live by it. So first I want to start in verse 7. Chapter 7, verse 7. Chapter 7. Chapter 7 and verse 7. What then, no, pardon me, what shall we say then? And he, he does this a lot in, in this uh, book. Uh, he challenges us to think about things. What, what, what are you going to do once you know this truth or knew, know about that? What, what can you do? Is the law sin? So you have to go back and read this. You, you just all of a sudden get compelled. I, I need to go back because he's got the word law in verse 4 and verse 5 and, and verse 6. And, and here's uh, 7. And it kind of goes on. You, you need to find out what he's talking about. Well, I can't take all that much time today. Sometimes on Wednesday nights we can do these, these things. <laughs> but um, he says, well, what, what do we say with, when we understand the old letter of the law or... Uh, what the law was all about and, 
Um, now what am I going to do? Is law sin? In other words, if you write a, a booklet for you to uh, help the drivers of Oklahoma, and you say, I want you to pull up to a corner and you're going to have to stop. The tires must mo- not move, not rolling. The tires must stop. You're going to stop out here, and then you're going to be free to go again. That's a law. Now, is the law wrong? Because it told you something that you had to do? Or is it, a, you know, you just come driving up there and just decide to keep going and bang! Somebody hits you or you hit somebody. Who's wrong now? Was the law wrong? No, of course not. The law was right. You just didn't obey it. <laughs> you just didn't do what was right. So that's why he's saying here, is the law sin? God forbid. It wasn't the law's fault. It was your behavior, your keeping of the law. Whether good or bad, still a law. Then he says, nay, the law, uh, God forbid that the law is sin. Nay, I had not known sin, comma there, but by the law. So when you look at the book and you have the reading of the law, and you say, um, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. That's what God's law does too. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. And when I first read that again, for how many times, 40 times or more, uh, all of a sudden I thought, "Uh uh-huh. The law is not sin. And the word covet is equivalent to to um, the law of, of sin, the lust. Lust is actually the same as covet. And you sort of let that sink in a little bit, and then you begin to think of, what do I need to do to, to work at this better? Verse 8, But sin taking occasion by the commandment, okay, we've got ten commandments, we've got other commandments of God, brought in me all manner of conscupience, for without the law, sin was dead. Where there's no sin, when there's no rules, then there is no, nothing wrong. Without any rules, there's, there's nothing wrong. Nothing can be done. You can't be accused of anything because sin doesn't exist. Verse 9. For I was alive without the law once. I thought I was alive. I was doing okay. I thought I was all right. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Sin, sin is connected with if you sin, you're going to die. The wages of sin is death. I died. All of a sudden I realized the strength of the law. So he had to do something about it. And the commandment which was ordained to life, oh, if you stop there and you think about the Ten Commandments and why are you keeping the commandments, it's for life. It's good for you. It's going to help you. It's going to um, bring you eternal life. I found was unto death. So again, you've got to think, okay, these, these are kind of flipped over. If you don't keep the law, you're going to die. If you do keep the law, you won't die. You know, sin is still sin. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and I was pardon me and by it slew me if 
you allow sin to get in there, the end result is death for you. That's kind of what he's saying. It slew me. I'm, I'm dead while I'm alive, you know, that kind of idea. Because you're not doing the, the law of God, not doing the actual laws. So then what are you going to say about the law? Verse 12. Wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Oh, you better tear that out of there. Where's the scissor? We'll get that verse out of the Bible. Some people don't want to hear that. They think God's laws are bad. What did it say there? It said the law is holy. Wow. What law? Well, you better take a real good look at all of them. Unless there's some point where it says this is only for a time period or this is to bring Christ to you. You know, there's other reasons. When the temple was gone, that whole era stopped. You can't sacrifice an animal because Jesus is our sacrifice. So that law stops. When the temple is gone and the veil between the holy and most holy is gone, you can't do that service anymore because that's gone. Well, they tried to fix the curtain, you know, and then try to start it. Then what did God do? Smashed Jerusalem, smashed the temple. Okay, and then you can't do it anymore, right? Well, they'll try again. They're still talking these days that they want to build a new temple and they want to bring back the old um, ark and the old uh, way of um, sacrificing animals. They want to bring that back again. But it may never come back because it shouldn't be done anyway. Jesus is our sacrifice. Okay. Blood of goats and other animals that were used for, for sacrifices will not take away our sins. We need Jesus Christ. It was for the Old Testament times until Jesus could come. And then those things stopped. Had to stop. Because something better had to happen. That's the book of Hebrews now we're in. Something better was coming, which was Jesus Christ. So the commandment is holy, the law is holy, and just and good. Wow. Verse 13. Was then that which was good made death unto me? Yes. Because it was good for the Old Testament, but it wouldn't stand all the time. It couldn't give, it couldn't give a absolution, complete fixing of the problem, taking away of sin. That which was made dead to me, God forbid. That you got to read two, three times to think that over. But sin, when it might appear sin, sin had to show up as really being sinful. Working death in me by that which is good, then sin by the commandment might be exceedingly sinful. So to show up sin, you have to have the alternatives, the good and the bad. You have to have sin show up. What is the best? What is the best way? And they found out that sin was exceedingly bad. So if you never talked about it, you'd never know how bad it was. We need to talk about what sin is. Exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual. Oh, some want to do away with it right there. But I am carnal, sold under sin. So the law is spiritual? There's a lot of people don't want to hear that part of that verse. 
But the law is spiritual. Let's keep going. For that which I do, I allow not. For that which I should uh, would do, I do not. But after, but, but what I hate, that I do. He's showing a comparison again. He wished he could just do it right the first time and stay right. But Satan's in there. Satan's always buffeting and challenging and making things go wrong. And, uh, and so he, he said, do I hate it? Am I hating it? I hate the idea that I can't be right and stay right. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. He's realizing in his mind the good and the bad, and he's choosing the good. That's, that's really what's going on there. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Oh, now he's talking what it shouldn't be, but it is in fact. So he needs some help. Well, we've got to get to verse eight, chapter 8. See, so he's showing the way it could be, but it's just not happening for him the way he'd like it to be. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. It's not going to happen by just the fact that he's Paul. It's not going to happen. For to do this present, to do is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. A struggle, internal struggle in your mind. I want to do it right. I don't want to embarrass God. I don't want to do wrong. I don't want to lose. And I'm not getting it done the way I should. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. It's this tremendous struggle that's in his mind. Now if I do that which that I would not, it is not, not more that I do it, but sin that doeth it in me. So he's naming Satan's in there. Satan's doing this thing. I find a law. We can say there's a, uh, a line that's drawn and, and this side means this and this side means this. And he said, this is a, like a, a scientific law of science or something. You can say this, this is the way things happen. That when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Ah, so he's getting there. But I see another law, standard, a way of thing, things happening in my members, warring against the law of my mind, being, uh, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Even as members of his body are fighting, you don't want to do good. You don't have to do good. Nobody can tell me what to do. You know, that's going on in your head. And he's saying, no, this is not a good idea. Oh, wretched man that I am, who, deli who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Uh, we know now, right? The only way out is Jesus Christ. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, and, uh, pardon me, but with the flesh, the law of sin. 
you know that you can't do that, right? You can't have serve God and mammon. That's what Jesus said. You can't do both. So he's still throwing this struggle at you. He should be serving the Lord Jesus Christ through the Heavenly Father, but his mind is fighting him, and the, the law of God is good, but his flesh is still struggling with it, the law of sin. Okay, so you can't make it is what happens right there. On your own, there's no way. Okay, what happens in verse eight, chapter 8, verse 1? There is therefore now no condemnation. Ah. No con- you're not going to be condemned for something. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. There's the clue. There's the fixing of the problem right there. You need to get in Christ. You need Christ in you. You need to be in the Heavenly Father. You need to be serving the Heavenly Father. Have God in you. You know, this, this is the only way you're going to make it. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. If you accept Christ into your life, start serving Jesus Christ, you don't have to do sin. Wow, there's another verse very similar to that, but you don't have to sin. You don't have to do sin. You can get out of that. You have a way out. Wow, really neat. It's made me free that I don't have to sin. I'm not required to sin to find out what it is. It's like you get a way out here. For what the, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent his only son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. God's got this fixed that he can condemn, he, Heavenly Father can condemn sin. He can make it stop. He can control it. And there is a day of reckoning, right? That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. The righteousness of the law can work in us, can be fulfilled in us. But after the Spirit, so you're looking for the Spirit of God to help you and to be with you. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. We need to get spiritual. Get the Heavenly Father in us. Get the Holy Spirit in us. Get Jesus Christ in us. Next verse, for to be carnally minded is death. That won't work. You can't be carnal minded. But the spiritual mind is life and peace. That's what we all want, salvation in Jesus Christ. So we need to be spiritual minded, which is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That direction will not work. That's what he just said, right? You can't be carnally minded, it just won't work. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Does it get any clearer than that? What part of thou shalt not don't you understand? (laughs) Wow! (laughs) They cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but the Spirit, if so be 
that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if man, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Just, you know, wow, okay. Uh, we need to get that fixed. We need to get going right. Uh, have the, um, don't be in the flesh. Be in the Spirit, the Spirit of the Heavenly Father, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you, you need to get there. Be a spiritual person. Do what's right. Okay, I wanted to stop about there. Uh, let's double check myself here. I wanted to get at least down to verse 9. I, I did it. Okay. <laughs> None of his, if you don't have the Spirit of God in you and live by the Spirit, live righteously. So condemnation already came up, right? But let's look at one more verse here in uh, John. Book of John. And I want chapter 3. Just two verses here. Three, verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn this, the world, to condemn people to death is, what's, what's the use? He could have just done away with them right there on the spot, you know. Uh, so he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but in that believeth not is, he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You're already condemned. He doesn't have to come and condemn you. It's already there. Jesus doesn't have to worry about that part. It's already done if you don't believe, if you won't switch your minds, if you won't accept and get out of that situation that a person's in. Okay, let's go to Romans chapter 2. Book of Romans. And chapter 2. Now I want to read verse 1. And then uh, a little ways there. Therefore now... Therefore, thou, o, thou art inexcusable, O man. And wow, you're, you're inexcusable. You're caught. You're in trouble. You're going to get it. You're going to get punishment. You're inexcusable for what you're doing. Whosoever, whosoever thou art that judgest, for there, therein thou judgest another, Thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same thing. Wow. Remember people that had the moat in their eye and the uh, post of beam in their eye? and <laughs> That's coming along this too. You can't see what you're doing and you're doing it anyway. So verse 2. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. God's already said that's sin. There's going to be a punishment for it. So you don't have to be involved. You don't tell people. It's already there. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and dost the same that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? 
you're acting like the other people are and you're complaining about them and telling them that they're in trouble. But what are you doing? You're doing the same thing. Wow. You think you're going to escape the judgment? No, you won't. Or deceivest thou the despisest thou the riches of his goodness, the heavenly Father's goodness in Christ, and for uh, and forbear forbearance, long suffering and long suffering, not knowing that the not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Repentance. We gotta get to that point. We gotta get to repentance. In my marks over here, I haven't got there yet. I've got another little bit to go. But after thy hardness and impenitence heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judge of God. Are you, what are you trying to do? You're going to find more wrath and try to treasure it up so you've got a bigger wrath bin in front of you before you meet the Father or the judgment day. Wow. Yeah, that's where it is. We, we got to stop at verse 5. Oh, no, I need six, don't I? I got some red marks there. Who will render to every man according to his deeds? Some don't want to hear that neither. We are going to be measured by ourselves. If we're sinful, we're going to receive sinful stuff. So we need to smarten up, I guess. And then chapter 8, I wrote in here again, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and a little bit there, but we already read that. You know, we've got to be able to get away from those sinful things and use the power of God and the Holy Spirit and prayer and fasting and so on. We, we need to get ourselves out of there because with the power of the Holy Spirit, we win. We win. Then under um, these verses on repentance, I wanted to go back to one verse in particular in Isaiah chapter 55. Just one, one verse. Isaiah chapter 55. Remember last week we read a little extra there, but not much. Okay, chapter 55. I got it right there. And um, verse 7. I, I got this all in red and in green and everything. This chapter 55 is very important. But verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the Heavenly Father, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. If we want to be pardoned, if we want to get rid of sin, uh, have forgiveness for our, our um, repentance, we need to make repentance, and he will abundantly pardon. Forgive us. Acts chapter 3. May have used this one last time, but it's worth one verse here as well. Acts chapter 3. And I want verse 19 and 20, 21. 
verse 19 reads, Repent ye therefore and be converted. Wow, can you get plainer than that? What part of that don't you understand? <laughs> okay. uh, we need to be converted. That's a Christian word, a word to behave ourselves. Change something, change over. That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and he shall send Jesus Christ so we know that this Lord here is talking about the Heavenly Father. He will send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of refreshing of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of the holy prophets since the world began. It's, it's been there all along. It's been explained um, the Old Testament is a build-up to the coming Messiah. We need to notice that. And when you start reading in the New Testament and they knew that this was the Messiah, how did they know? They read the book. There was enough in the Old Testament that they recognized Jesus Christ. What he would do, where he was going to be born, uh, all about him. They knew who he was. It's amazing, actually very exciting when you start looking for that in the New Testament as you're reading. So those things are there. The holy prophets were giving those things to us. Okay. Um, now I want to go to um, Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. We've got some marks there and having a little trouble reading, but Acts 26, verse 20. 26. Oh, there's a little paper. Okay, and, and I want 20. Verse 20. But show first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout the coast of Judea and then to the Gentiles. So he's saying, this is where this message had to be carried. He's explaining to King Agrippa that they should repent. The Gentiles repent, but everybody else too and all these other cities should repent and turn to God. This is an ordinary thing that has to happen and do works meet for repentance. Works. And again, some churches don't want you to ever use the word works. There's lots of places in the New Testament that talks about works. We need to be doing something for the Lord. And it's supposed to be meat or, or the right thing to do, the uh, betterment of it. For what cause? For repentance. For repentance. So we'd bring ourselves to re repent before the Heavenly Father. Psalm 34, verse 18, I read last week. Uh, it's a one-word thing, one, one short sentence, I guess I should say. But we could quickly look that one up. Only take a minute here. Psalm 34, 34, and verse. I dropped my spot. There it is. Eight for eighteen. Verse eighteen. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save such 
as be of a contrite spirit. This is advice as to how to be repentant. Look these words up. Think about them. Read this chapter. Uh, it's mostly in red. Uh, it's very interesting to find out what is required of us and how we ought to behave. Then I want to go to Second Corinthians again. I know this is back the other way. Not that hard to find. Second Corinthians chapter 7. Chapter 7 and verse 10. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. This is Paul writing to them. Remember last week we were reading in 1 Corinthians? And he said, I'm sorry I had a right to you and make you sorry. And, and yet uh, I did sorrow for having written that way. And, and, uh, but you're sorrowing before the Heavenly Father and getting right with God, getting your sins forgiven. He said, that's a blessing. That's a good thing. So I'm, I'm not sorry that I told you. You know, it's, it's interesting that we need to be told sometimes that we need to straighten up and fly right and that God will give us those blessings. So um, that's in verse 10. But the sorrow of this world worketh death. Yeah, we don't want any part of that. So we should be happy that we sorrowed for our false things that we do and that we don't live up to what we should. So now we need to confess. A couple of quick ones here. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. 10 verse 9. Confessing before God. Verse 9. That if, we well, always got to watch for that if because you've got to do something. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You want to be saved? There's the first thing you need to do. If you don't know for sure that you can say that I am saved, some people feel awkward with that. It sounds like you've jumped the gun. You've already got the ticket, you know. Uh, no. That says you are saved. Doesn't say any buts or anything right there. You're, this is the way of being saved. Thou shalt be saved. So, yes, we need to know that and hang on to it. That's a truth for us. 1 John 1 and verse 9. These are very quick verses. You probably want to just read some more around these. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess, if you confess, you're going to get a blessing out of it. If we confess that we have no sin, oh, you're going to say that? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what we need. That's what we need to do. Okay, now, Don Gutman, if you remember him, he helped our church a lot in the short while he was here. Don Gutman, he got to witnessing to people wherever he goes. He says it's as easy as one, two, three. And he said, what do you mean? Well, First John, second chapter, third verse, and the fourth. And 
Hereby we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keep not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Wow. So he says it's as easy as one, two, three. Just follow the list. list. <laughs> if, you, if you're going to say that you're going to do it, you know, Hereby we know. Hereby do you know. You can write it down. You can say, I'm going to do this and it's going to happen. How do you, I know. If he keeps the commandments of God. and he's, Otherwise he's a liar. And the truth isn't in him. And we had another fellow from Oklahoma that was up in Missouri when I was taking Bible classes. And he said uh, to his dad even, which was a preacher, but he said, uh, the truth ain't in him. <laughs> It went over very well in in the uh, Oklahoma language. <laughs> okay, let's see. Um, yeah, so then I want to look up uh, confess before men, and Matthew five, and this is the last few verses here. But Matthew chapter five. Matthew. Chapter 5, and uh, 23 and 24. 5, 23 and 24. Wherefore, if thou bring a gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, something against thee, Leave there your gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Wow, this is confessing before men. I'd have to go and tell them I did you wrong. I didn't do it right. I failed you, brother. I need to fix that problem. So we need to go and talk with him, make it right, and then come back and make an offering to the Heavenly Father for forgiveness. Because you forgave your brother, God will forgive you. Ah, all these lessons, they kind of hang together, don't they? Um, Okay, I want to go to Matthew 19. Chapter 19 and verse 21. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect... We would like to be perfect, but boy, we sure need Jesus Christ and we sure need the Holy Spirit. Go and sell that thou hast, everything that you've got, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow after me. We often read of this sort of an example that's in Jesus' discussion with people, and they wouldn't do it. They couldn't seem to get it done. He uh, would like to, but he had to tell them, well, let the dead bury the dead. That's uh, kind of a tough one, isn't it? But he's saying, which is more important to you? You can figure that out. And other places where he said to them that uh, somebody come along and said, I'll, I'll serve you. And well, have you considered this? I don't have a place to live. I'm homeless. Do you still want to live with me? I can't give you that bread that you're looking for every day, you know, the goodies. I'm there for the goodies. That's not what this life is all about. 
This life is serving the Heavenly Father. So there's something there to be thought of that we need to be uh, mindful of uh, not the treasures that we have, but to give it up all, give all of it. If you're willing to give it all, God will give you back what's necessary. Okay, let's look at Luke. In fact, you probably remember that verse that God will give to you according to what's necessary and what's good, especially the birds and that don't need clothing and the flowers of the field don't need clothing. <laughs> and they get their food and so on. Yeah, there's, there's verses like that. So we're confessing before men in Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 and verse 8. Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. If you're not willing to work to bring forth something, bring forth fruits for repentance. Your repentance is not very sincere. And and uh, bring not no and begin not to say that within yourselves we have Abraham for our father. For I say unto you, the God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Do you believe God could do that? Yeah. But sometimes we get get off the track, don't we? We kind of don't think God is really going to do it or that he could really do it. He said, you have Abraham to your father. Well, that's not where it's at. What are you going to do with Jesus? It's all about us. And if not, God can raise up children unto Abraham wherever he wants to get it. And you know the next verse I just saw there too, the axe is laid at the tree. Uh, are we ready? <laughs> we, need, we need to really think seriously that you know, there's a time coming when there's a judgment day. There's three places in one chapter where Jesus says, ye cannot be my disciples. Hey, look that up sometime. When does God say, or Jesus said, you cannot be my disciples? Very good. Look it up. It's all in one chapter. But anyway, here's Luke chapter 19, starting with verse 1. And Jesus entered the and passed over through Jordan. And behold, there was a man, and the name Zacchaeus. Oh, yes, I had to get that far before I knew the rest of the story. Should I just tell you the story? Okay. Zacchaeus was a little man, and he was chief of publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to be with Jesus or to meet with Jesus, see him, but he couldn't get there because of the press. That's not the newspaper. It's a number of people that were there all trying to get close to Jesus and see what's going on. And uh, he was a little of, little of stature. And he ran before the crowd you know, along the road. He ran ahead of time and climbed up in a tree. It was a sycamore tree, wasn't it? And when Jesus came along there, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, make haste, come down because I'm going to eat, with your, eat at your house. I'm going to visit at your house. I'll abide with thy, in thy house. And he starts backtracking pretty quick. He says, uh, you know, uh, I'm really not that good. Everybody else is more moaning here and saying um, he's going to be a visitor with a sinner. 
And uh, poor Zacchaeus, he's beginning to think, oh my goodness, all the people think this way of me. So he started explaining to Jesus. He stood still. He wanted Jesus to, to notice that he wanted to say something. And he said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of all my goods I give to the poor. Can we say that? Wow, this was a righteous man. He had had this figured out. And if I have taken anything from another man by false accusation, I restore him four times the amount. Fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as the, as the, as he, is a little mark in front of the he, uh, also is the son of Abraham. The other people were saying, I've got Abraham for my grandfather, you know. And he said, you know what? So does Zacchaeus. One more verse. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. They were saying, this man's beyond help. Throw him out. Zacchaeus, he's a bad man. He's, he's done things incorrectly. He's going to invite a, this guy over that's not associated with the head, head of the churches, the publicans and sinners. You know, they, he said, he's going to eat over there. And he said, Jesus had to say to those people that this man is... Um, as a child of, of uh, the Heavenly Father, and because salvation has come to his house, he is a son of Abraham. If, if the Son of God will eat at his house and recognize him, he wouldn't do that to the wrong kind of people. Jesus scolded them. Remember Jesus scolding here and scolding there and scolding there, yeah. But he said, this is a son of Abraham. And, uh, and he's going to be blessed. He's going to be uh, one of the lost that's called back to salvation. So that's where I got to with that amount of study with uh, conviction from sin, condemnation that we want to avoid, get out of the problem. Uh, all the verses I gave last week on repentance is 17 verses plus a couple here. And um, we need to confess before the Heavenly Father and if you want to read the Psalms, and he says, I did this, I did that, I'm sorry. Um, that's confessing before God. There's other people in the scriptures that you can find quite easily as well that prayed to God and, and said, we have sinned. Our nation has sinned. I have sinned. And, and they start telling God what God already knew. But that's confessing, not hiding it. I'm as good as can be, and I've done my thing. And no, no, no. That's, that's not what it's all about. It's confessing before God, and God will bless you. And confessing before men as well is explaining that you're trying to do what's right and getting the people to serve the Heavenly Father. May God bless you.